creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, I, to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Glorious in heaven 
worship with us. And if you think about the verses that Callie read this morning, we are coming together as a body here on earth to worship with the saints and the angels that are around the throne in heaven. We are joining them this morning. We are here to say, Jesus, we worship you. We bow down. We say that you are our God. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether worthy. And he's altogether wonderful to us. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. Altogether worthy. Altogether
This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. God is always I am and always present tense, not the great I was. He will never change and will always be I am. the valley. 
you never, you never change. You're unchanging God. You will never change. You're unchanging God. Mighty in the battle. again.
Mennonite Church, whether you are here um, with us in the building um, or with us online, we are um, happy that, I am happy that we can be together. Um, I am excited to celebrate with you um, this milestone Sunday. Um, if you have um, well known, we have been celebrating a couple milestone Sundays every year um, in the congregation. And this milestone Sunday is child dedication. We're excited to be able to um, dedicate three um, of the babies born this past year um, uh, to the Lord with their parents um, today. Um, I was thinking as I was, um, well, I got the privilege to um, discern with Callie this week um, as she uh, prepared worship for this morning. And it was a real gift to me when um, she said about the present tense, like she shared today. We're learning about that, um, past, present, and future tenses, like in sentence structures and how we um, talk. And she said to me, she goes, it's I am, it's present tense. It's not like he, did, he wasn't I was or I will be, he is, I am. So he was, I am, when he spoke to Moses. He is, I am, today. Um, and his presence is here with us, and I need the I am today. Um, I think we all do. And I just, I just was really struck by that, thinking in that, um, in a new vein of the I am as the present tense. Um, so this morning we're going to... Um, hear from, some, from the three parents of um, Lucas Nisley, from Sarah Gish, and from Henry Keener. Um, and they're going to share just a, a small amount of time with you, and then we'll be together, um, um, commit to things as a congregation. Um, they'll commit to things as parents. Um, and then Conrad will lead them in that. And then they're going to return to their, to their uh, little family units. I love to see you guys all here, parents and siblings, um, to support them. And that's where we'll do um, a time of prayer where you could um, gather around them. Instead of all coming up here, we could just go back to your seats and do that then. Um, one of the verses that I had um, when I took the position of the minister of children, I received that call and started walking in that, that the Lord has given to me. Um, and I have it in my office, and it's something that I um, have been thinking even more so. Conrad and Heidi often talk about the acorns that are born, and we like celebrate when an acorn is born, um, when she announces that, um, and how these acorns are already within them, um, mighty oaks of righteousness, planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And so um, this verse, uh, Psalms 92, 13, is something that um, I pray for the kids, and I pray for the parents, and I pray for us, um, that promise that um, they who are planted in the house of the Lord uh, will flourish in the courts of our God. So the, um, the beginnings um, matter. Where you are planted matters. Um, there is 
um, a ton of um, power behind that. But if you're grafted in, that's just as important. If you are um, growing as a little acorn at 36, that's okay too. Um, and so I just have been um, praying that um, as we prepare for today and um, to dedicate these three new um, lives to the Lord that um, those uh, promises would come. So if you guys want to come forward a while, the parents, um, bring your baby, and um, I'll have you go in order. So um, Ben and Alicia, and then Josh and Janelle, and then Moses and Rowana, you can just talk through this mic. Hey, everybody. Um, for those of you that don't know us, I'm Ben Nisley, my wife, Alicia, and our son, Lucas. Um, we picked a Bible verse for him. It is Isaiah 46.4. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Um, and, yeah, I think our prayer for Lucas is that um, he'll love Jesus and grow up um, loving him and in an um, ever-changing world uh, he would never lose sight of our one constant that never changes um, yeah that's what we have This is now our fifth time coming up uh, for a child dedication. And um, last night we were together with uh, Janelle's family and uh, her brother and sister-in-law have their first. And um, I was just struck with uh, remembering the difference between how we were with our first, where we didn't know, you know, didn't have a whole lot of experience. Everything was new. Um, and I think the challenge as we go through is to make sure that we keep that, that drive, that same um, expectation for ourselves uh, to, um, to hold up our children and to, um, and to, and to br always bring them before the Lord. So uh, that's our prayer for Sarah is that, um, that we would we would continue to persevere in, in the task of, um, of parenting, so. Uh, we're Moses and Rana Keener. Uh, this is Henry. And um, yeah, his middle name is Zachariah. That's probably where we get more of the spiritual significance of his name, but uh, Zachariah is a priest. And so I think one thing we're just praying over him is that he lives a life of service to the Lord, uh, however that looks. Um, yeah, just a upright man in the Lord's eyes. Yeah, and I just wanted to share um, a quick little story. So for those of you who don't know us very well, we, um, Moses, grew up here, but then we lived in Philly um, for about six years. Um, and our two oldest children, Hazel and Oliver, were born there. Um, and there was a dear grandmother um, in our congregation there in Philly who gave us a crocheted blanket, baby blanket, for each of them. Um, but um, 
for some reason she wasn't able to do it for Henry. And when he was born last December, it wasn't in our immediate plans to move um, back here to Lancaster to E-Town. Um, it was a thought, but um, yeah, it wasn't in the plans. And somehow um, Sewing Circle here decided to give a baby blanket to Henry. Um, so I just think it's really significant that um, we have a blanket for um, the places where the older two have been dedicated and then also um, that we can dedicate Henry here today. These are always um, incredibly exciting times for us as a congregation um, and for us as parents to watch how God continues to bring life through you to the next generation. Um, I'll be saying more to you in the message this morning, but I'm going to ask you to make the following commitments this morning, and um, we'll ask each couple to simply say, we will. Ben and Alicia, will you provide a home within which your child will have the opportunity to know Christ and give their life to him as Lord and Savior? Josh and Janelle, to her and to him, Moses and Rana. Thank you. Will you encourage your child to nurture a life with God through reading the scripture, through prayer, and through the other spiritual disciplines? Ben and Alicia, Josh and Janelle. Moses and Raina. Will you affirm the qualities of male and female that God has created your child to reflect, both now and as they grow to become a young man and young woman or young woman of God? Do you commit to bringing your child to this community of faith, encouraging them to participate, or a community of faith, encouraging them to participate in children and youth activities? and modeling this participation in your own life. Will you help your child to know God's plans for their life, encouraging, releasing them to pursue God's mission for them above everything else? Will you help your child to discover the gifts that God has placed within them at creation and help them to find space to use those gifts in ministry wherever they're called? Will you accept the counsel and support of this congregation as you disciple your children, recognizing that we have this responsibility to support and care for you and for them as well? Thank you, couples, for that. I'd like to pray a prayer of blessing over you, and then we'll have a commitment as a congregation to you, to walk with you and support you and your children. And just remind you as a congregation, um, this is our responsibility. This is our call and our commitment. Lord Jesus, this morning, I think of how you were brought to the temple and how you were embraced um, and, and, and cared for and loved and committed to you. How Simeon and Anna saw in you the light that you were. And in each of these children, your light is present. Your imprint is upon Henry and Sarah and Lucas this morning. And so I just pray for these parents as they train these children, raise these children, love these children, that they would see that imprint and call that imprint out constantly in these children. And by the time these children have come to leave their homes, that they would be fully confident of who they are in Christ. They'd be fully confident that they are loved by Christ. They are loved by you. 
that nothing can ever separate them from that love, no matter how far away they may leave from home or go from home. That they can never leave you, that you have sought them out, found them, loved them. So we pray your blessing upon them. We pray that your protection would be upon them all of the days of their lives, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. God, I pray for every special need that each child here has this morning. I pray that you would attend to those needs. I pray that you would protect them from the kinds of things that can so easily happen to children, from being bullied, from being mischaracterized, from being treated unkindly. I pray that every difficulty they face, they would face knowing that you are with them, that they do not face that alone, and that you are the God who brings good out of all things, that you're constantly working to redeem and to restore and hold and save and to make whole. And I pray that as they grow older, they would look back and see your faithfulness time and time and time again in their lives. God, we bless these children. We thank you for the gifts they are. And we thank you for their parents. And again, commit their parents to you too, that they would walk with you and know you and love, love you and follow you all the days of their lives and rest and trust you to lead them not working out of their own strength, but out of the abundance of grace that you have for them. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Congregation, in your bulletin this morning, there is a commitment. And I'm going to read it instead of us reading it all together and simply ask at the end, would you stand? And in, in, in a way of affirming what we're doing. We commit ourselves to walking with and supporting you in the sacred journey of Christian parenthood. As one of us, we embrace you and your child and pledge to encourage you by offering words of scripture, prayer, resources, and assistance to you. We invite you and your child to be part of our team here at E-Town Mennonite. We need the gifts that you and your child are and that you bring. We will make space for your child to become who God has created them to be, encouraging both of them and you as well as offering counsel and accountability. We are a community on a mission to know God, to nurture relationships, and experience God's transforming power in Elizabethtown and beyond. Both our community and our mission are made stronger by you and your child's participation with us. We anticipate you and your child's deepening participation in the life of this body, a body built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We look forward to seeing you next week and all of the weeks thereafter. God bless you abundantly. And congregation, if you can affirm that and agree to that, would you please stand? and extend your arms towards these families. And again, Jesus, we as a congregation commit ourselves to walking with them, to loving them, caring for them, and modeling for them who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Parents and children, you may go back. And Bethany, they're to spend just a few minutes in prayer around them back there in their family unit. Okay. So we'll just give you a few minutes to pray around your child there as a family, whoever is the family gathered together there. Um, and then we'll preach. Okay. Quietly while we're waiting for them.
If you're able to kneel with me for prayer, will you do so? Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge this morning that you are the I am. There is no God like you. You are perfect. You are holy. You are completely and totally without blemish. There is no imperfection with you. And Lord, we want to um, just respond to what I believe your call is this morning to, um, to lay ourselves, Lord, to lay the things that we have been carrying through the week on the altar, on your altar. And we acknowledge this Advent season, Lord, that, that Jesus came to lay himself upon an altar, willingly, in his perfection, in his holiness, Completely without blemish, he gave himself. Willingly, he laid aside all, all that he was, all that he is, and sacrificed himself for us. And who are we, Lord, that you would send your perfect lamb for us? So we come before you this morning, and we lay our, the gifts that you've given us this week on the altar. We lay our disappointments on the altar. We lay our griefs on the altar. We lay our preferences on the altar. We lay, Lord, we lay ourselves on the altar. Mm -hmm. We lay our children on the altar, Lord. Mm -hmm. We lay all that we are on your altar this morning, Lord, so that this Advent season we can receive from you, Lord, the gifts that you have for us, the gifts that are lasting, meaningful, redemptive, restorative gifts. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this morning. Thank you for these children that were dedicated this morning, Lord, and for their families. And I pray for Conrad now, Lord, as he delivers the word that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that we would be open, receptive people, people who are called by your name, that we would receive with openness, Lord, the word that you have. And I pray for Conrad that you would give him boldness and courage, that you would strengthen his voice, Lord, that you would put a shield of protection around him for his physical, emotional, spiritual protection. We thank you, Lord, for his willingness to speak the word that you have for us this morning. We commit him into your hands, and we commit all of us into your hands, the hands of the living God, to whom we all will some, uh, someday see. In Jesus' name we pray. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be acceptable in your sight. 
the Lord my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Good morning, and I greet you in Jesus' name. Those of you who are with us this morning present in the sanctuary space, those of you who are online now or will be online later. I'm going to read three passages this morning, parts of three passages, and uh, um, we don't have Bibles, I don't think, in front of us, but I'm going to read, first of all, a few verses from Exodus chapter 3. This message this morning is really geared towards the parents who are giving their children to Jesus this morning, but it's for all of us who um, know anybody, not just children, but for all of us who have the ability to impact anybody with God's love. I'm beginning with verse 11 in Exodus 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And I just want to say, parents, as your children grow up, that's going to be a question they're going to ask a lot. Who am I? Who am I? What can I do? Who am I? Am I capable? Who am I? Do I have the capacity? And your responsibility and calling, and maybe your highest calling, is to say you are God's child, and you can do whatever he calls you to do. Because that who am I is haunts all of us. That who am I is at the heart of all of us. Can I do it? Can I be big enough? Do I have the courage? Do I have the confidence? Can I do it no matter what people will say? Who am I? Moses was 80 years old, but he was still asking that question. Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And that's the answer to all of the questions your children ask about who am I? The answer to that question is that God will be with you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And now I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1. And this is the prayer of Jesus' mother Mary when she received the news of her son's birth that was to come. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And now I'd just like to jump over to chapter 2 where Jesus is taken by his parents, as the parents of our children did this morning, taken to the temple to be given to God. And Simeon and Anna were there who were older in years, elderly, aged. And Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he praised God, saying, this is verse 29, chapter 2 of Luke. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. The children's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then I think I would like to also read a passage. Um, over on Luke chapter um, Luke chapter 4 verse 22 So Jesus has now grown up he's 30 years old he's entering the ministry that God has commissioned him for just like your children if they're following Jesus are going to be called into something that serves his kingdom and his purposes and at 30 Jesus goes to the temple and he re- he repeats Isaiah and talks about how the Spirit of God is upon him. And then he rolled up the scroll, and everybody was amazed. Spoke well of him. This is verse 22. Spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Moses was 80 years old, a child of a king, Pharaoh, and one who had grown up in the greatest kingdom of the then-known world. But he's now a fugitive on the run in Exodus 3. He's alone in the desert except for the sheep and God. Why is it that those God about use, why is it that those God is about to use so often or at least sometimes end up or start out among the sheep? We look at David's life, he was among the sheep. Moses, who was among the sheep. In some ways, Jesus himself was among the sheep. Both David and Moses certainly seemed to be paying attention to God's voice out there in the hills, whether they were young or whether they were old. And perhaps that's why God starts his leaders so often out in the hills among the sheep, because it's in that place that perhaps they can, they can learn to listen and discern the heart of God. And then in this passage, out of a burning bush that caught Moses' attention, the voice came. A voice that was looking for him as it looks for all of us in the desert where we are. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then God described who he was. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then the Almighty went on to explain to Moses that God was calling Moses to rescue his people from the hands of Pharaoh, back in Moses' hometown, where he had also killed an Egyptian an accusation that accounted for his being in the desert in the first place. God acted as if he was calling Moses. As you read this passage, it doesn't seem like God's making a big deal of this. It's almost as if God senses he's calling Moses to a relatively small task. Just go back home where you were accused of homicide and back to the Pharaoh who chased you out and then come back and bring my people with me. But Moses said, I need a sign. And God said, okay, I'll give you the sign that you'll worship on this mountain after it's all over. I'm not sure what kind of a comforting sign that was to Moses. It would not have been to me. A sign that's going to occur after the fact. What I need, God, is a sign that's going to occur before the fact. What I need is a promise to make me courageous. What I need is a promise to motivate me to do what you're calling me to do in the first place. That's the kind of sign I need. So Moses tries another angle. So what if the people want to know what your name is? What should I tell them? And again, God doesn't offer much help. He simply says, I am. Tell them that I am has sent me to you. I am? I am who? I am what? I am when? Just I am? A verb? Not a proper noun for God? 
of all people? No, the name Yahweh in the Old Testament simply means he is or he exists. The name Yahweh in the Old Testament simply means this, I am. It simply means he exists. He is. Isn't it interesting that we think of our names as pronouns? I mean, as nouns, not verbs. Proper nouns. Proper nouns that are laden with meaning. We heard our parents discuss the meaning this morning. And once that name is assigned to us, it's hard over the years to imagine that we could be any other name. Henry's going to grow up and be Henry. He will look like Henry. He will talk like Henry. He will behave like Henry. He will be Henry. He will live into his name. And the same for Lucas and Sarah. We are given a name and that name becomes us. Conrad Grable was one of the first leaders of the Swiss movement. And so my parents named me after Grable. Heidi and I named Jacob's first name after Heidi's deeply loved grandfather. And Jacob and Sarah named Ezra. Ezra Lee, with the middle name that now goes back four generations among those of us who are the oldest sons in our family. Names have significance. Names have meaning. But whatever and wherever we are called what we are, our names are always, as human beings, nouns, not verbs. But God is the I am as a verb for good reason. Because God is not bound by time or space, and certainly not by you or I. God is God exists, and Bethany talks so well of that uh, with her and, her and Callie and what she explained earlier. God is the I am. God is a verb because verbs are in action. Verbs are moving. Verbs are always at work. Some philosophers have called God the prime mover, and they've called God the prime mover for good reason. Because when God moves, things happen. When God moves, things take place. When God moves, heaven and earth shake. But still... God as I am? I am what? And this, my friends, is where Jesus comes in this Advent season. Because Jesus shows up in Advent to show us what I am looks like in motion. Jesus fills in the blank of what the I am is. Jesus showed up in Advent to show us who the I am hangs out with and who he doesn't. C.S. Lewis says he suspects there will be more more. Uh, prostitutes and pawnbrokers in heaven than churchgoers. Jesus showed us that. Jesus shows us that to reveal the power of the I am is to reveal the power over Satan. Jesus shows up to teach us how to love our enemies. Jesus shows up to model what a life with the I am actually looks like. Jesus is God with skin on, as someone else has said. What descriptors does Jesus use in the New Testament and the Gospels to describe himself? That is, if the I am is who God is, how does Jesus fill in the blanks that follows? He does it with saying, I am the good shepherd. I am living water. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection of life, and on and on. Because the qualities of God as seen in Christ Jesus are limitless, as God's qualities are limitless. The author of Hebrews says, he is the fullness of the Godhead. He is the fullness of the Godhead. You see, folks, without Jesus to fill in the blanks of the I am, we would still be wandering around in our sin and confusion as if we're not enough already. But instead, he had given us his spirit so that we will never be orphans. We will always have an advocate. We will never be alone. Parents, I don't want to, cannot underestimate what you are doing and don't want you to underestimate the spiritual significance of what you're doing this morning. You are taking a spiritually significant step of committing your child's life and your child to God. 
to the I am who is always on the move, to the I am who may ask your child to do something or go somewhere or become someone that you don't want. Let me say that again. The I am may fill in the blanks of your child's name by asking them to do something or go somewhere or be someone that is not comfortable to you. And it's important that you be preparing for that discomfort now. Because you will give account to God as to whether or not you create space as parents, and I'm speaking to all of us as parents and grandparents and church members, attenders. We will give account to God as to whether we allow space or not for God to do His work in our children. We will give account if we block the work of God in our children's life and the calling of God in our children's life. That's one of the reasons I love these two passages of Mary and Simeon and Anna. Because it was the mother of Jesus who does not ever understand fully who this son of hers is, but allows God from the very beginning to do whatever God will do, which is going to be very painful, as Luke tells us. But he, Mary will not get in the way of Jesus. You see, moms and dads, we have an incredibly important role of not getting in the way of what God's going to call our children to be and to do and where to go. All of her life, Mary walked with her son. She was at the cross with her son. The amount of pain this woman must have carried, this mother carried as she watched what was done to her son, is beyond imagination. But she always supported her son and walked with her son and believed in her son. As best she could, that God had called him. And he was who God said that he was. Parents, that is your responsibility because there will come a time when your child will believe something different than you will do and choose a calling different than yours. We'll move away somewhere you wish they wouldn't move away. Yours is not to doubt God's work in their life, but to support God's work in their life. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about why we can have faith to do that in a moment. And then there are these old people, Anna and Simeon, who also believed, who also believed that who God said Jesus was was who Jesus was. It means that both parents and older people and everyone in between, we all have a responsibility to name and to call out and to support what God is doing in our children. It is our responsibility. It is our calling. Think of the spiritual significance of Simeon and Anna and of Simeon saying, I I can go now because I've seen your glory. This is the one. This is the one. That was was an act of spiritual significance. And older people and parents, when you say to your children and over them, when you pray and when you speak into their lives, this is the one. This is the one God created. I don't always understand them. I don't always understand their responses. I don't always understand their interpretation of what God's doing in their life. But this is the one God has created. And I'm going to pray and care for and support them. I cannot underestimate how important that is and significant spiritually in the life of our children that we are praying for them and affirming what God is doing in their lives. You see, parents, the God who gave you your children has a name that is a verb. The God who gave you your children has a name that is a verb. You and I see our children as pronoun, as nouns. We see them as static, finite, not able to do certain things. We underestimate continually their abilities. 
Which is why I love what Mary prays here. Just releases her praise to God. I love what Anna and Simeon do in identifying who Jesus is. You see, parents, and I'm going to repeat it, the God you committed your children this morning to is a verb, not a noun. Which means he's capable of taking your children and doing and giving and being to them whatever it is that they need him to be. You and I are not, because we're nouns. Yes, we're immortal, we will live forever, but compared to God, none of us has a name, I am. You see, God is able to do abundantly more than you can think or imagine. My, my mother sent that verse to me this morning as she was praying for me. It's Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do abundantly more than we could think or imagine, because God is a verb and not a noun. God is always on the move, and one of my favorite passages for a long time is Isaiah 40. He is the God who is excavating mountains, lowering valleys, making rough places plain and crooked places straight so that all people can experience the glory of God on their way to Mount Zion. The work that your child is called to may not be the dream job you have for them. It may not be. It may not make them much money in this life. It may not make them famous. They may not be down the street from you. It may not lead them to a stable or a sedentary life with a white picket fence, a dog, two nice cars, and a nice house. That is so often our dream. It's the dream of so many parents of children who send their children on to college, is to see them achieve the dream, the American dream, to see them achieve an upward mobility that's beyond ours. We want to see our children achieve economically beyond what we are achieving. Folks, my prayer this morning is that that would not be your dream. My prayer this morning is your dream that they would achieve with God more than you've ever imagined they could achieve. That they would achieve abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine they're going to do with God. Because I'm telling you, what, what they're going to need in the next 50 years is not a nice house. It's not a dog and two nice cars. What they're going to need is a life with God. What they are going to need more than anything is a life with God. And the question for you as parents right now in this very moment is, what are we going to care most about? Whether they have a dog and a picket fence and a house and two nice cars or a life with God. And what kind of change is that going to mean you're going to make because you want them to have a life with God? What are the lifestyle changes that you have to make so that they are, so you do everything you can to assure they have a life with God? What are you going to do to create space so that they have a life with God? The comforting thing about a God on the move, a God who is a verb, is that compared to the wood and stone deities and idols of Israel's neighbor, who were static, who were stone, who could do nothing, and God, Yahweh, repeats this throughout the Old Testament. The wonderful thing about a God on the move is that, that that God is always coming to meet us. And that God will always meet your child wherever your child is. That God is looking for your child. That, ch that God will always be with them. When they get off track, you can count on them to seek them out and to find them. He's called the hound of heaven because that's what he does. He finds us. In addition, parents, you are dedicating your children this morning to a God who has made himself known to us in Christ, who has filled in the blanks of the I am. And the most important thing, and indeed the only thing that you need to teach your children is about that God. 
I'm not saying that teaching them to go to the, you know, potty training is not important. I'm not teaching them to saying manners isn't important. But all of that pales in comparison to knowing the I am and the Jesus who fills in the blanks of the I am. The most important thing, and indeed the only thing you must teach your children, is about that Jesus. And to lead them to that place where Jesus meets them and where they offer their lives to him. That is your calling above everything else. That is your missionary calling above everything else. Because if they know Jesus, I'm telling you, everything that happens to them in the next 75 years is going to be okay. If they know Jesus, everything else that happens to them in the next 75 years will be okay. You don't have to worry. Isn't that a wonderful thing as a parent? We are consumed as parents with worry about our children. But if we lead them to Jesus, we have a lot less to worry about. A lot less to worry about. For the last 15 years, I have preached repeatedly that our life with God is the most important thing we have. Our life with God. But it is very unlikely, parents, that your children will develop a life with God unless they have parents who have a life with God. Don't expect your children to do more and have more with God than you have. The question for you, the parents, this morning, for all of us is look ourselves in the mirror and say, what kind of life do I want my children to have with God? And what kind of life do I have now? Because they will probably not go beyond you if you're not intentional about your life with God. I have a good friend, Jeff Long, who's a Hindu at the college. And Jeff told me that most Hindus are pretty comfortable. Hindus believe in reincarnation. And most Hindus are pretty comfortable with being what they were in this life. They're not really interested, he said, in, going, in working really hard spiritually to be something better as long as, they're, as long as they don't drop, as long as they don't become a dog in the next life. As long as, I, as long as I have the status quo. And I said, Jeff, it's like so many Christians. Just so I get into heaven. I'm not really too interested in becoming more than I need to be. I'm not too interested in developing a deep spiritual life with God. Just let me be the status quo. Let me kind of slide through and get in. Folks, the world that is coming is not going to be enough for your children if that's the approach we have. The world that is coming is not going to be a status quo world anymore. What your children need is a life with God. And if children are going to have a life with God, they have to see you practicing that life with God. They have to see you praying. They have to see you reading your Bible. If they see you doing those two things, bingo. If they see you regularly praying, if they see you regularly reading the Scripture, that'll be enough. They'll have to make their choice, but you have done your part in developing your life with God. It's a tragic thing when we get excited about our children coming to Christ and then celebrate like it's the end of the story. Like everything has culminated in them giving their hearts to Jesus. Oh, that's important, but it's only the beginning. What a shame if all we offer our children is that initial commitment to Christ and then forget to help them develop a life with God, which is the richest of all lives. No wonder so many children of ours are abandoning the church these days. We're not giving them sufficient reason to stay. For who needs a Christian community when I've already got Christ if that community doesn't reflect life with God? Parents, there are going to be so many temptations for you 
to compromise in this nurturing a life with God. Let's miss church to take them to some soccer games. Let's miss church to take them to some volleyball practice. Let's miss church to take them to an NFL game. Let's miss, miss, let's miss youth group just this week for something more exciting, and on and on and on. But just remember, every decision you make is affecting your child's life with God. Every decision you make. C.S. Lewis says we're either gaining ground with God or we're losing ground with God in every moment. And it's the same with parenting our children. We're either leading them towards Christ or we're leading them away from Christ. They are watching every decision we make without us saying a word. If we don't encourage them to develop a life with God now, early on, it's unlikely they will know how to do that later. I talk to way too many older people who say, I don't really know how to have a life with God. We all know how to eat because we were taught how to eat. We want a life with God. We want our children to have a life with God. We'll teach them how to do that as well as eat. Parents, the vows you are taking today are vows that indicate that the most important work you can do is to create the space for your child to discover the I am and to discover what are in those blanks after his name. This God on the move, this God who is a verb, they may not believe everything you believe as they get older. If you parents and grandparents look back on your own life, you know you don't believe everything you believed as a child or your parents believed. Don't kid me. You know you're doing some things differently than your parents or grandparents did. Don't kid me. You know it's changed. And you know your children are going to change. They're not going to follow everything you've done. They're not going to follow everything you've said. They may not believe everything you believe would do everything that you think is important. Their faith and Christian experience may look very different from yours. And indeed, if they are led out of the desert by the AM, it's quite sure it will look different. Some days you will understand them and some days you will not. But I want to tell you something. If their life is with God, and if God is the center out of which they live their days, you need not fear. If their life is the center out of which they live their days, you need not fear. Looking primarily for a church that agrees with everything you want to teach your children is not the first step in teaching them a life with God. It happens at home. And there ain't no church that's going to teach your children a life with God like you can teach them at home. None. It starts at home. Our church, our leadership of any church will not give account for where your children end up. You will. Yes, they have to make their own choices. But the question for all of us as parents will be, did we nurture them in such a way that we encourage them to have a life with God? We will give account for that. Not for their ultimate choices, but for how we nurture that life with God. And I just want to say, parents, it is never too late. It doesn't matter to me how old you are or grandparents, because your prayers still avail something powerful. Your prayers for them now are as powerful as your prayers for them when they were a year old or six months old or before they were even born. God still hears those prayers. God still responds to those prayers. So this is not a message to condemn you or any of us. This is a message to say, let's get on with it, believing that God is still a verb. Let's get on with believing that God is still a God who moves our children when we pray for them. That there is none of our children beyond his hope because he is a verb. He's always at work. He's always in action. Let go of where you failed as a parent. Let it go. It doesn't matter now. God is not condemning you. God is not shaming you. He's too concerned about where your child is now. 
Let it go. Just get on board with the I am and trust him that he is not done working with that child and his eye is still on the sparrow. If they hear his voice, if we raise our children to hear the father's voice, that voice will never betray them and that voice will never lead them astray. Your most important task is to help them train their ears to hear his voice. Your most important task is to help them to train their ears to hear the voice of the I Am who is consistently, constantly calling their name and to the Jesus who fills in the blanks. May God bless you and all of us in this holy, holy work. Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. We worship you from the bottom of our hearts because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. There's none of us here this morning that has any good gift that didn't come from you. And each one of these children are good and perfect gifts that came from you. And each one of these parents and their parenting and their marriage is a good and perfect gift that has come from you. I pray the grace of Christ and all of the help of you and the hosts of heaven upon them as they raise these children and upon all of us, that we would understand that the one thing that we have going for us this day and every day is our life with you, the God who is the I Am, and his Son who filled in the blanks for us. Amen. i